the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hello and welcome as we lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley Rutherford. I'm Kyle Welch. It is recorded in the book of John that Jesus once said, If he is lifted up, he will draw all people unto himself. Christ's death, resurrection, and ascension are all linked to this glorious exaltation, and it is a call made to the entire world. No class, social status, race, or gender is excluded from this declaration. That is why we lift up the name of Jesus on this program every day. Our teaching pastor is Dudley Rutherford, and we join him right now with today's message. I want you to take your Bibles and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And I want to talk to you on this subject, compelled to tell. And I want to give you three things that should compel every single person in this room to tell others about Jesus Christ. Number one, in your notes, we should be compelled by Christ's calculated love. The word calculated might sound a little strange when you think of Jesus' love as being calculated. We think of, or use that word, something that a villain does, like Lex Luthor when he's trying to devise a scheme to defeat Superman, that he's calculating. Heroes just act. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 in your Bible, people were wondering why Paul was so consumed with winning the entire world to Jesus Christ. Paul was such a fanatical for Jesus Christ, people thought he was losing his mind. And in 2 Corinthians, they're wondering, Paul, why do you do the things that you do? Why are you like the way you are? And he answers that question in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 14. He says these words, For Christ's love compels us. I don't have any choice. I I can't help myself. I have to. This is the way I am. And then he says, because, and here's the reason why, I am convinced that one died for all. What's he talking about? He is convinced that Jesus died for the entire world. He says, for Christ's love compels us. Can't help myself. Because of what Jesus Christ did for the world. And then he says this in verse 15, the next verse. And he died, Jesus died, that those who live, that would be us, that we, once you understand the love of Christ, you should no longer live for yourself, but you should be willing to live for the one who died and was raised again. That that makes sense, doesn't it? That if one, Jesus, died for us, that we should be willing to live for him. The word compel in the Greek is this word. I want you to write it down. S-U-N, like the sun, and then echo. 
It's pronounced soon echo. Soon echo is the Greek word for compel. I want you to say soon echo. Say it again. Soon echo. That word means to be held together. It's like duct tape. If you can picture duct tape. It's a word that means to enclose. I want you to write this down. It's a word that means to surround. It means that we are completely surrounded by the love of Christ. Wherever you turn, wherever you look, you're just reminded of how much God loves you. When I look at what Jesus Christ did for me, and I look and see what Jesus Christ did for you, when he dies on the cross, the sacrifice, the fact that he left heaven and he came to this earth, the fact that he endured the crucifixion, when, whenever I see, when I'm surrounded by what Christ did for me, I can't help but surrender to him. And I can't help but tell others about what Christ has done in my life. And so here's the question, the real question, and think about this. Do you really understand, you, I'm asking you, do you understand the calculated love of God? Here's what the Bible teaches. Now, stay with me. The Bible says in Romans 3.23, it says that all have sinned. Now, who's all? All is all. And we've all done what? The Bible says, Romans 3.23, all have sinned. How many of you agree with that? Raise your hand if you agree with that. Now, if you don't raise your hand, you're a sinner. Okay? You're lying. That's a sin. We've all sinned. How many of you know that includes the pastor? Yeah, yeah. Includes everybody. All means all. All have sinned. Romans 6.23. Here's line two. The Bible says that the wages of sin, we've all sinned, But the wages or the penalty or the consequences of sin is death. You die physically, but you die spiritually. It separates you from God. You die eternally. We've all sinned, Romans 3.23, Romans 6.23. The wages, the consequences of my sin is death. I should have to die. You should have to die. But then you come to Romans 5.8 that says, For God demonstrates his love for us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us it's like a mathematical equation all have sinned that's point one point two sin equals death oh okay so i'm gonna die but the third point is that christ died for us the song that we sang right before we came out here right before i came out we sang a song you sang a song called reckless love that song is very controversial today because there are many people who think that theologically that song is completely off base, that God would never be reckless with his love, that God doesn't do anything without thinking it through, that uh, to say that his love is reckless is unbiblical. But if you know the guy who wrote the song, and you can look this up online, it's fascinating to see the guy who wrote the song, and the words go, Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Oh, it chases me down, fights till I'm found, leaves the 99. I couldn't earn it. I don't deserve it. Still, you give yourself away. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. The guy that wrote that song, the reason he chose the word reckless in his viewpoint is that he was so far away from God that typically no one would waste even an ounce of energy or an ounce of love to try to even save somebody. He was so far away from God. And so he's saying that God's love is so reckless that he was willing to waste some of it on him. Now, theologically, theologically, 
that might not be true, okay? Uh, but I do, I do believe that from one angle, God's love is a little reckless because you and I, many of us, we wouldn't, we wouldn't expend love on someone who was unlovable. But God did. So, so stay with me. The author of that song, from his vantage point, it was a little reckless on God's behalf because no one would ever spend a dime on a guy like that. But make no mistake about it. God's love is calculated because he knew that if we died in our sin, that we would be lost forever. God knew that. He also knew that if Jesus died in our place and was buried and rose again, he knew that eternal life would be available to all who believe. Ladies and gentlemen, when your eyes and your heart open up to the truth of Christ's calculated love for you, you can't help but serve him and you can't help but tell other people about his amazing love. Number two, you should be compelled by Christ's compassionate views. Christ's compassionate views. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians, it's in your notes, that we have the mind of Christ. That when you became a Christian, that you actually have the mind of Christ. And what that means is that you're supposed to see things the way that Jesus sees things. You're supposed to think about things the way that Jesus thinks about things that you're supposed to view things the way that Christ view things. I want you to take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 9. This is very important scripture. Matthew chapter 9 and verse 35. The first word is Jesus. I want everybody to say his name just because I like to hear it. Jesus. Say it one more time. Jesus. There's no other name, amen? amen? Now, according to verse 35... It says that Jesus went through all the towns. He went through all the villages, teaching in their what? Synagogues. And so I'm convinced when they found that synagogue, because it's dated to the time of Christ, I'm convinced that Jesus walked in that synagogue and taught because of that verse. It says he went to all the towns and all the villages and all the synagogues. And what did he do when he got in that synagogue? He was preaching the good news of the kingdom and he was healing every disease and what? Sickness. Now you tell me if a miracle worker shows up and he begins to heal every disease and sickness, let me tell you, you're going to show up, your neighbor's going to show up, your neighbor's neighbor's going to show up, you're going to bring every sick person you know, every relative you have, and you're going to bring him to Jesus if he's healing every sickness and disease. And so the Bible says when he saw the crowds, why were the crowds there? Because he was healing all the sicknesses and the diseases, right? So verse 36 says that when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Now I want to ask you, what do you think when you see the crowds? How many of you have ever been stuck at Dodger Stadium in the parking lot after a baseball game? You got stuck. What were you thinking when you were stuck in the crowds? How many of you have ever pulled in, you're starving, you pull into In-N-Out, and you see the line goes clear around the block? (laughs) What goes through your mind? 
How many of you, raise your hand, you've ever been inside LAX? You've been inside there. Enough said. When I, come off, when I get off a plane at LAX and I have to go get a bag at the baggage claim, I feel like I'm in prison and I'm never getting out. That's how I feel. How many of you have ever been on the 10 freeway? How many of you have ever been on the 405 during rush hour? Let, let me rephrase that. How many of you have ever been on the 405 during any hour? My question is this, when you're stuck on the 405 freeway, what's your first thought when you see all these people? Are you thinking, who are these people? How can there be this many people here? Where are they going? And I wish I was Moses. I could just part the sea. Let me go through. You hit the steering wheel. Get out of my way. When Jesus saw the crowds, he saw them as precious souls. He saw the lostness in people. He saw eternity in the balance. He sees lives that have been broken, dreams that have been shattered, people who need to be saved, individuals who need a second and a third and a fourth chance. He sees hopelessness. He sees the folly of sin. He knows and understands that they are under attack by the evil one. I'm telling you that when Jesus saw the crowds, compassion just oozed out of him. Verse 36 says, again, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. In verse 37, he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are what? I want you to write this down. We need workers. Don't you know if Jesus looked at the city of Los Angeles or any of these cities in this world he would be saying the exact same thing to us. And the point I would make to you today is that we would have more workers if we saw people the way Jesus saw people. The Bible says, the next verse says, the Lord said, ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore to send out workers into the harvest field. Three things that should compel you. Number one, you should be compelled by Christ's calculated love. Number two, you should be compelled by Christ's compassionate views. Number three, write this down. You should be compelled by Christ's concluding commands. His commands. Now, in your Bible, you're in Matthew chapter 9. I want you to turn to the last words of Matthew chapter 28. I want you to know that Jesus Christ has already died He's already been buried. He's already resurrected. He's about to go back into heaven. I want you to know that on the cross, he's already said these words. It is finished. And he dies. It is finished. What's finished? Well, what's finished is that he has now going to die for the sins of the entire world. And now salvation is available to everybody, both Jew and Gentile, but we still have a problem. Salvation is available for the whole world, but we got to get the word out. And so the last command, Matthew 28, verse 19, he says, therefore, go. Everybody say go. It does not say come and sit in the salt shaker. He says go and make disciples of who of who and i've said that's the black man a red man a white man yellow man if there was a purple man it'd be the purple man 
Go and make disciples of all nations and baptize them. Every disciple, every disciple is to be baptized. If you're here today and you're a follower of Christ and you've never been baptized, you need to come do that today. Go make disciples of all nations and baptize them into the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, here's my question. Whose task is that? Is that the preacher's job? Is that just the ordained clergy's job? Only people who've gone to Bible college and have a Bible college degree get to do that? Whose job is that? If you go back up to verse 16, he's talking to the 11 disciples. It's their job. Wiser 11 used to be 12. They're going backwards. They used to have 12. Now there's 11. Judas hung himself. Is it their job? Because that's who he's talking. He's not talking to me. He's talking to them. It's not my job. It's a disciple's job. No, 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 no. Pay attention. Whose task is it? Write this down. It's every believer's task. It's every believer's task. And you say this, how do you know that? Well, because I read the next verse. So you got, when you read the Bible, you've got to read the next verse. Right? 19 says, Therefore go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And verse 20 says, And teaching them. So after you go and you make a disciple and you baptize them, that's not the end. You've got one more thing to do. He's talking to the eleven. Once you, bapt- once you go to the whole world make disciples, after you baptize them, you have one more thing to do. You've got to teach them to obey everything I, Jesus, have ever commanded you. And I just told you to go make disciples and baptize people. So this command did not end with just 11 disciples. The commandment was to go into the world, make disciples, baptize them. When them come out of that water... You can dry them off and put their clothes on them and then you teach them to go into the world and make disciples and baptize disciples into the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. I close with this story. Pay attention. A couple weeks ago when we went to Israel, half the group flew to Istanbul, Turkey, and then down to Israel. They had one stop. And I don't know if you know this, but Turkish Airlines has been the number one rated airlines in Europe the last couple of years. Great airline. And they flew from L.A. to Istanbul down to Israel. And one of our travelers, who's an elder in our church, his name is Bill Ewing, When he got on board that plane, he was sitting next to a Korean woman. Her name was Grace Chang. She was about 70 years old. And Bill asked her, why was she going to Istanbul? And this little Korean lady, 70 years of age, she said, I'm going there. Uh, We have a group of people here. We're going to Turkey to do missionary work. Here's a Korean woman traveling on a plane from L.A. 
to a Muslim country to do missionary work on behalf of Jesus Christ. Bill said he asked this woman some questions about, you know, this is an amazing, tell me more about your life, tell me. He goes, I'm sure you've got some amazing stories if this is who you are. And she told him this story. When she was 27 years old, she was a Buddhist living in Korea. She did not know one word of English. And she came to the United States of America. Ten years go by. She's now 37. And in those ten years, she learns to speak English. She becomes a Christian. She's no longer a Buddhist. And she graduates, she graduates from college, and she becomes a nurse working in an ICU, an emergency ward ICU department at a hospital. She has two Jewish doctors who are her bosses, who she said every single day berated her, talked down to her mistreated her every single day she went to work one of those jewish doctors lost his license and is no longer a doctor the other jewish doctor was home one day on a ladder and the ladder fell he fell off the ladder and he became a quadriplegic And he was checked back into the same ICU ward that this woman worked, Grace Chang. And every day this Korean woman had to serve the Jewish doctor who had abused her, who had mistreated her, who had talked down to her. She had to serve him. She had to bathe him. She had to take care of him. And she did it with the love of Christ. And after two months, she said that the Jewish doctor became a born-again believer in Jesus Christ. The only way that's humanly possible is if you as an individual understand the calculated love of God, the compassionate view of Christ, and understand the commands of Christ to us to take the gospel to the entire world. It's a blessing for us to bring this program to you every day. We exist only by our faithful partners who support us through their prayers and financial gifts. If Pastor Dudley's message has been a blessing to you, we would like to encourage you to consider joining in partnership with us so we can continue to be here every day to bless others with this important ministry. Your gifts, whether large or small, are greatly appreciated and go directly to help keep us on the air. You can find out more about supporting us by calling our toll-free number, 888-818-4777. That number again is 888-818-4777. 4777. We have operators standing by and ready to take your call. You can also support us by going to our website, liftupjesus.com forward slash reach. That address again is liftupjesus.com forward slash and then the word reach. 
Deep in the heart of every believer, there's a faint whisper, a call, a prompting. We go about our business and we hear it. We see and interact with lost people every day, and the whisper echoes again for us to share our faith and tell others about Jesus. And yet, we still resist. In his latest book, Compelled, Pastor Dudley Rutherford shares his earnest desire for each and every believer to be equipped with the good news of salvation. He encourages you with inspiring stories of men and women, young and old, who have accepted the irresistible call to share Jesus with everyone they meet. And he provides practical methods to overcome your fears and effectively articulate the message of salvation. Thousands of readers have already taken advantage of this incredible book, and now it's here for you. Compelled, the irresistible call to share your faith, can be yours right now for a gift of $15 or more to the Lift Up Jesus ministry. It's as easy as calling our toll-free number, 888-818-4777. That number again is 888-818-4777. 4777. You can also get Compelled, the irresistible call to share your faith on our website, liftupjesus.com. Our address again is liftupjesus.com. Discover for yourself the strength that awaits inside you to speak boldly to others of how Jesus Christ has changed your life forever. Don't hesitate. Call us right now and get your copy of Pastor Dudley's latest book, Compelled, the irresistible call to share your faith today. I'm Kyle Welch, inviting you to join us tomorrow at the same time as we again lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley.